United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. I'm Julie Mason. Dr. Asfandiar Mir joining me. He's a senior expert in the Asia Center at the United States Institute of Peace here to talk about the Pakistan Taliban. Dr. Mir, this seems like a not great development. Sure. So for 20 years, uh, the Pakistani government um, uh, became, uh, you know, sort of argued with the United States government not to fight with the Afghan Taliban, to accommodate the Afghan Taliban in some sort of a political settlement. Um, for the on, based on the premise that the Afghan Taliban were somehow better for Pakistan's security and well-being. Turns out that's not the case. Over the last six months, uh, forces of the Pakistani Taliban, which have uh, fought the Pakistani government, uh, they have been boosted by the example of the Afghan Taliban, uh, and they have stepped up their violence, uh, and, uh, you know, and they've been bleeding Pakistan meaningfully. Uh, in in these in these last few months, I mean, they couldn't possibly envision taking over Pakistan in the way they did Afghanistan, would they? That's that's correct. So the the nature of the threat is is very different. Um, the Afghan Taliban was a nationwide uh, insurgency. The forces of the Pakistani Taliban operate in Pakistan's peripheries. Still, they have some power to uh, project violence into Pakistan's main cities. Uh, they can they can impose some real costs on Pakistani security forces. So they can be a real thorn in the side of the of the Pakistani government. Has uh, has the prime minister or the Pakistani government had much to say about the Pakistani Taliban? Look, so initially. Uh, when the, the Afghan Taliban took over, the Pakistani government was optimistic that uh, this problem would be taken care of, that the Afghan Taliban will help them out. The Pakistani uh, prime minister, in fact, announced that uh, um, uh, that the Afghan Taliban were helping them negotiate uh, with the Pakistani Taliban. Uh, but of late, those negotiations have gone nowhere, and much of the Pakistani leadership has been downplaying uh, the, this escalation in violence, pretending as if everything's okay, but that's clearly not the case. And and one of the outstanding issues is uh, is is where where the border is located. That's another issue uh, which has cropped up in this uh, in this in the Pakistan Taliban relationship. So uh, the border between Pakistan and Afghanistan has been uh, long contested. It has not been recognized by any government in Kabul over the last 70 years. Uh, and the Pakistanis are hoping that the Taliban will be different, that they will not challenge the border the same way uh, that uh, as some of the last few governments uh, of Afghanistan. Turns out even that expectation has proven wrong. The Taliban have, uh, um, the Taliban are nationalists, Afghan nationalists in some measure. Uh, and they're, they're challenging Pakistan's claim on the international border as well which is a source of major tension between the two sides now. Now, um, the Pakistani Taliban, is it is it mostly Afghans, or is it Afghans and Pakistanis, or is it mostly Pakistanis? So it's mostly Pakistanis, uh, but there is, uh, you know, uh, I think there's a, there's a fraction of the fighting force which draws on people from the other side of the border. And now there are reports 
that uh, that the fighters of the Afghan Taliban, as they are done with their so-called jihad, they are turning to the forces of the Pakistani Taliban. They are interested uh, in joining the Pakistani Taliban because they're still uh, edging for, for, for another fight. Well, it, it seems to me that, that one of the concerns attendant to this must be that um, the terrible humanitarian situation in Afghanistan could push a bunch more refugees from Afghanistan into Pakistan and, and uh, increase the instability there. That's right. You know, Pakistan has some, some tough days ahead. As you know, the humanitarian situation in Afghanistan is, uh, is not improving. It's only getting worse. Uh, and that brings uh, with it a lot of spillovers. Refugees are one of them. Uh, you know, Afghanistan is also landlocked, so that takes it the economic toll on Pakistan as well. Now, you combine that with this militancy challenge. Uh, if you know, if violence continues to escalate over the medium term, I think you know things become very difficult for Pakistan. So. Uh, you know, it appears that Pakistani leadership's decision to celebrate the return of the Afghan Taliban was short-sighted. Uh, you know, Afghan Taliban in your neighborhood uh, is not such a great idea as Pakistani yeah. leadership appeared to have argued over the last many years. Right. And, and Dr. Mir, what was behind their support? I mean, the Taliban is never good news. Like, it's just never, ever good news. Why, why did the Pakistani leadership support the, the new regime? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of the great puzzles of this post-9-11 uh, war on terror era. Many policymakers here in Washington have tried to um, to understand it, unpack it. And I think the best answer remains that, uh, you know, Pakistan really obsesses over its, its uh, rival India and its mm-hmm. activities uh, in and around uh, Pakistan. And Pakistan really didn't like the fact that the Indian government had a friendly relationship with the former Afghan government from the get-go, uh, you know, right after 9-11, uh, or well, right after the U.S. invasion, uh, once the government was uh, was established, the Indians had uh, had a lot of political influence um, in the in the U.S.-backed regime, uh, and Pakistan was determined to uh, to not let that regime sort of stabilize, uh, and and wanted to take it down. Um, and so even now, even as uh, violence is going up, the question Pakistani policymakers are probably asking themselves is that what happens if the Taliban are weakened? Uh, will Indian influence once again grow in the country? Um, and I think the answer they're coming down to is yes. Uh, if the Taliban are weakened, Indians will, uh, will find more of a footing in Afghanistan once again, and that's an outcome that is unacceptable to them. So in the near term, I think they are, uh, mm. uh, you know, they're going to take this uh, this increase in violence as a, as a cost of doing business, uh, of, you know, of keeping Indians out uh, from their Western neighborhood. And of course, um, as always, one of the worries with Pakistan is that it is a nuclear armed country. That's that's exactly right. So Pakistan has uh, has a large nuclear nuclear arsenal, and uh, and due to that, uh, there are concerns in the international community. And for what it's worth, uh, the international community judges Pakistan's uh, nuclear security protocols to be adequate, to be in compliance with with you know potential best practices. However, it remains a very challenging neighborhood. So it's you know it's a it's a 
it's, you know, it's never, um, I think the international community will keep worrying about Pakistan's nuclear weapons program so long as there's so much instability in the region. Dr. Asfandiar Mir is senior expert in the Asia Center at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Dr. Mir, thank you. Thanks for having me, Julie. Good to talk. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.